Kia ora and welcome to this very special episode of the Healing Our Identity podcast. This episode is in honour of the legacy of Giggory George, an opportunity to share with you all some of her wisdom and leadership within the Indigenous land and sea management sector, an area that she dedicated her life to, an area that she was well respected in, where her impact was far reaching and continues to be today. I'm sharing with you the Marbo lecture that Giggory gave at the National Native Title Conference in 2016. Arguably, all that she talks about is still relevant today as she refers back some 20 years. This is definitely a history lesson for some and a deeper insight into the woman and leader that she was in this space. And the legacy she left behind that continues to have impact today. Welcome to Cultures of Change, the podcast, where we are having conversations about healing our identity. We bring you the strategies and conscious thinking for you to grow your confidence and understand your abilities to create the future that you choose. For much of my life, I carried the feeling that I wasn't Māori enough. Growing up in Australia, disconnected from my country and being immersed in my culture, That was until I realised everything I was yearning for was within me. My mana is my own and I am enough. I'm Erica McCready, a proud Māori woman living on Yugambeh land. I'm a cross-cultural communication specialist and have worked with hundreds of First Nations people globally. I'm the co-founder of Cultures of Change and I am passionate about supporting Indigenous women to find their inner wisdom these conversations draw on the power and knowledge of the strong women who have walked before us. Kia ora and welcome to this very special episode of the Healing Our Identity podcast. Thank you as always for being here. Before I get into it, I want to start by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land and seas where I live and work, the Turnbull, Yagara and Jagara nations here in Mijing. I want to acknowledge who I come with, my ancestors, Ngāti Raukaua Te Aitanga Hoati, my English ancestry as well. I also acknowledge your ancestors And wherever it is you're tuning in from, it is a little bit different today. This is a very emotional episode for me and I absolutely hope that you receive it with some insight into the strengths, integrity and courage of the woman I am here to honour today. This episode is a dedication to the life of Giggory George, a very special woman who has impacted and influenced my life in many, many ways. And throughout this episode, it is both a dedication to who she was, a woman who I absolutely honour and love and who continues to inspire me today. On a personal level, she was one of the most kind and passionate, loving women that I knew. She was unique, strong, fierce, compassionate, intelligent and driven. She was a leader and a mentor and she continues 
to leave those traits within her legacy that are at play in so many different places still today and will continue to be for some time. She transformed the space of land and sea management in Australia and as a strong advocate for Indigenous rights within that space. She was the first woman to be chair of the Indigenous Advisory Committee and held that position for over 10 years. She achieved this and so much more throughout her life But I'd say her proudest achievement was of her children and of her family and she brought that compassion of connection into her work and and everything that she did. And she was very well respected and known for her unwavering truth and stance that she took to her work Uh, to her life and to all that she believed in. I want to very specifically here acknowledge Giggory George, the woman that we are going to be seeking wisdom from today. You're going to be hearing a little bit about her work and very specifically I'm going to be reading one of her keynote presentations that she has given one that really stands out, one that I remember her writing, one that I remember her getting ready for and one that I very vividly remember hearing her speak. My love and thoughts go out to her husband, her children, her brothers and her sisters, those who were uh, guided by Giggory throughout their life and just acknowledge all of us here in this energy reflecting in who she was how she impacted us and how much we love and miss her in saying that her legacy is very strong and continues to guide the work of those around her she continues to guide me Uh, she is One of the key reasons this podcast exists because of her deep belief in myself, who I am, what I have to offer, and she really gifted me that, and for that I absolutely cherish. Known now as Giggory, Giggory George was a Walgarukaba traditional owner with traditional connections to Magnetic Island and the greater Townsville region of far north Queensland. She had a background in cultural heritage and protected area management and as a saltwater woman she was passionate about the environment particularly focusing on critical issues relating to sea country and its management. She was actively involved in protecting and managing land and sea through the empowerment of traditional owners cultural law and obligations for caring for country. This particular lecture that I'm going to be reciting shortly was for the Mabo Lecture, which is a dedication to the late Eddie Koiki Mabo and the historic legacy of the Mabo case that established native title under Australian law. The Mabo Lecture aims to provide a contemporary commentary of native title issues in the context of Indigenous people's struggles for recognition and control over their country and their lives. 
Giguri joined a long line of well-respected, strong Indigenous leaders by being asked to give this honorary lecture. And I remember how honoured she felt to be asked and acknowledged as a strong leader in her own right to be able to deliver this lecture. I remember her nerves and yet they were nowhere in sight when she delivered it. Like all the conversations on this podcast, the intention of this is to provide another opportunity for these words to be heard, for a part of Giguri's story here to be received by many people that would never have had the opportunity to receive it and to deeply honour her legacy and her dedication to her work to her people, mostly to her family, and in turn to herself. So in the words of Giguri George in June 3rd, 2016, delivered at the National Native Title Conference in Darwin. When thinking about what I was going to say today, I must admit that there were times when I was unsure of how to approach this. There are so many things to say. In the end, the thought that kept coming back to me was the idea common before And at the end of its inception, that Native Title was going to keep our country strong, deliver our communities prosperity and our culture longevity. This thought was common amongst my old people, and I am sure all those old people who fought for our rights. Today I would like to share with you my thoughts around Native Title and land and sea management and the unrealised opportunities that they can achieve but also to reflect on where these opportunities are being marginalised and sometimes put up as a barrier for strong culture, strong country and a strong future. This year marks some significant milestones for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. The 50th year of the Wave Hill walk-off, the 40th year since the establishment of the Northern Territory Land Rights Act, the 25th year since the findings of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody were handed down, and of course the historical Marbo vs Queensland decision, which was handed down on the 3rd of June some 24 years ago. Recognising that without these historical events, we would be more than likely be in an even worse position than we are today. A scary thought, but true. Whenever I think about this idea of land rights, it always brings me back to the famous catch cry of the early days. What do we want? Land rights. When do we want it? Now. What have we got? I did have something else written down, but I will say nothing. These three questions that brought our people together to march in the streets, to defy and question the establishment have been much in my mind as I reflect on my own efforts of the last 20 years and the efforts of those whose shoulders I stand on. I keep returning to the three critical questions which mirror the protest of my parents and their Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander brothers and sisters from every corner of this country, their collective family. A time when we all march together as one mob for one reason, to get our country back. First, What do we want? What was the vision of the people who fought and won the land rights battle? 
what was in their minds when they thought about a post-native title future. What kind of Australia did they believe all their effort would deliver my generation and generations beyond? Second, when do we want it? What has been the lived reality of the post-native title determination era? Does the world they imagined aligned with the daily reality of the life we lead today? And more importantly, did they ever imagine that they would not be here to realise their efforts in the struggle and that today we are still fighting? Third, what have we got? Or more importantly, what should we have? What should the current generation of leaders be focused on? What should be the nature of our fight? Where should our energy be focused? Which fights should we be abandoning and which should we reinforce? For me, much of my fight has been focused on this last question about ensuring that the role of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander land and sea managers, the doers, is recognised, supported and valued. Now let's face it, this is not an easy task and it is an issue that is multifaceted in its application. Looking after country is not just about protecting and managing plants and animals or working with weeds and ferals. It's also and more importantly about people, people's ability to keep their culture strong, derive an income from their country, which would create opportunities for their children and within all of this, developing the capability of their community organisations to enable them to facilitate strategic long-term outcomes. In essence, it's about reclaiming our sovereignty, the capacity for Aboriginal and Torres Strait people to live on our traditional country, on our terms and not at the behest of government. We all know that if you don't have regional and local level organisations that are capable, resourced and functioning, we are doomed to failure. It is my view that if we do not strategically argue this case and find solutions, significant opportunities will be missed. Given the urgent focus from government and industry to develop the North, this is a critical issue. And let's face it, it's not a new idea. At its inception, native title and the benefits it would deliver were viewed more broadly. This found expression in the new forgotten and abandoned social justice package. This was supposed to be the third tranche of Keating's response to Mabo after the Native Title Act and the Indigenous Land Fund. There was a lot of work put into the proposed social justice package to reset the relationship between the Australian nation and Aboriginal and Torres Strait peoples involving comprehensive community consultations and submissions put to the Keating government by ATSIC, the Aboriginal Reconciliation Council and the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Social Justice Commissioner. Then Howard got elected and it was all consigned to the dustbin of history. So much for the social compact between First Nations negotiators and the Australian government that was conceived at the end of 1993. It is this missing pillar which has troubled so many of us ever since. It is the foundation for the feeling in a post-determination environment that Native Title was supposed to deliver us something more. 
It is the foundation for the genuine question of all who fought and won. Is this all there is? It is the foundation for the question after PBCs have achieved responsibility for country and a bank account with 50 bucks in it and sent on their way. What now? Some 20 years after the social justice package was abandoned, we are still dealing with the issue that it is set out to achieve. Rights of citizens, recognition and achievement through self-determination, ability to exercise our rights and to share equitability in the provision of government programs and services, protection of our cultural integrity and heritage, increasing participation in Australia's economic life. The view that Native Title is, was, about participating in the economic opportunity that it may deliver, the idea that we would all prosper from our country. Lack of investment and support in capability through Native Title has ensured that Indigenous interests are marginalised. No ability to ensure long-term participation in decision-making for country. No support for governance. No support for organisation capability. This is the legacy of the abandonment of the third tranche of Native Title, the Social Justice Package. It is a rewriting of history to pretend that these opportunities were not seen to be part of the benefits Native Title might deliver. Native Title is and always was more than a conversation about tenure. Paul Keating said it so eloquently in his famous Redfern Park speech in December 1992 when he said, By doing away with the bizarre conceit that this continent has no owners prior to the settlement of Europeans, Marbo establishes a fundamental truth and lays the bias for justice. It will be much easier to work from that bias than has ever been the case in the past. Marbo is a historical decision. We can make it in a historical turning point, the basis of a new relationship between Indigenous and non-Aboriginal Australians. 24 years later, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples are still waiting to negotiate a new relationship with the Australian nation-state. I would like to reiterate the views of my colleague, Joe Morrison, who yesterday painted a picture of dysfunction and chaos in the Indigenous Affairs portfolio. Even Noel Pearson, early in the year, described the Australian Indigenous Affairs policy framework as in crisis. I can attest to this. As CEO of the North Australian Indigenous Land and Sea Management Alliance, I have experienced enormous frustration in dealing with this government. NALSMA, like many other community organisations, were denied funding under the Indigenous Advancement Strategy. Yet NALSMA has an impressive track record over many years of supporting traditional owners to manage their country and is at the cutting edge of global leadership on innovative work which our funding application detailed, including developing the capability of land and sea management practitioners and their organisations by supporting governance, supporting the development of a robust evidence base by which people could make informed decisions about future opportunities, supporting whole of country planning so that traditional owners are empowered to engage government and industry under the principles of free, prior and informed consent, and identify opportunities for our young people. We set out a plan to support people to enable them to participate, to have their hands on the steering wheel and driving their own development opportunities. 
good governance, good organisational capability and investment in people, as we all know, are the keys to advancement. Despite the critically important work that is fundamental to the long-term development of North Australia, the Australian government rejected our application on the grounds that NALSMA is not a, in italics, frontline service, whatever that means. Fortunately, we are in the position to continue to operate through international and domestic philanthropic investment. While private and philanthropic investment is important, it barely touches the service of what is required. Fundamentally, there needs to be transformational change in public investment priorities, but that can never happen while the Australian nation remains stuck in the dysfunctional relationship it has with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, which the social justice package was supposed to fix 20 years ago. This nation may establish a clear pathway to deal with its relationship with the people it has colonised, We cannot be talking about constitutional recognition of Indigenous people in isolation of the public policy framework that concerns Indigenous people. The two go hand in hand. I know there is a debate among Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people about what should come first, constitutional recognition or a treaty. Let's suspend that debate for a minute and imagine that we combine the two. What happens the day after? Let us imagine what would be the key elements of a relationship that has been fundamentally reset between the Australian colonisers and the colonised. I would like to outline what I think could constitute a reconciled and respectful relationship within the constraints of the federated structure of the Australian polarity. One, Australia must address the racism of the past and commit to a non-discriminatory society. Government must never again impose policies on Indigenous people that are not consistent with the Racial Discrimination Act. Two, formal mechanisms must be established so that there can be transparent and open dialogue and accountability between Indigenous people and government on a regional and national level. Three, All governments must be accountable for the services they provide to Indigenous people under agreed national standards through the oversight of a national statutory body agreed by COAG. Four, there must be national agreement on key principles of self-determination as stated in the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Five, Governments must support the capacity of Indigenous peoples to live on their traditional country. Six, in recognition of land and wealth taken from Indigenous people and generational policies of discrimination and suppression, governments commit to measures of restitution such as compensation funds and special tax arrangements. Fundamental to all of this, though, is the need to ensure that our relationship is enshrined and bound by the constitutional necessity and capacity to deliver, uphold and protect our inherent rights and values as the first peoples of this country. We have to exercise our sovereign interest in the manner in which we live our daily lives. Treaties have to be negotiated and agreed under a constitutional framework free from the political whims and particular ideology of any political persuasion. The spirit of the Mabo decision and the struggle of those brave men and women who have fought the long, hard struggle should be recognised by a final settlement 
of these historical grievances and a new set of rules that govern our future relationship in a more truthful nation. Those are the words of Giggory George on the 3rd of June 2016, giving the honorary Marbo Lecture at the Native Title Conference in Darwin. At the time, she was the Chief Executive Officer of the North Australian Indigenous Land and Sea Management Alliance. I hope that I have done justice in delivering Giggory's words to each and every one of you. And although this was delivered in 2016, I believe her words are still extremely relevant today. As she talks about the repeating challenges over the last 20 years on the time at which she gave this lecture. I want to send lots of love once again and acknowledgement to Giggory's family those who knew her and and everyone celebrating her life a year on. For those of you who have not had the pleasure of being in Giggory's presence when she was here with us, I hope that you have received her words and can find your own guidance and integrity that I certainly have throughout working with her and beyond the veil still today. The last thing I want to say is October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, sending love and healing and strength to any women who are going through this right now, to survivors, to those affected by breast cancer and honouring and acknowledging all of those that we have lost. You can donate to the National Breast Cancer Foundation. The link is in the show notes, nationalbreastcancer.org, where you can also access information on breast health, awareness, education, screening and support. This episode is once again dedicated and honoured to Giggory George, one of my biggest mentors and cheerleaders, one of the most kindest and loving women, passionate in her work, in her being, in her soul, missed daily, whose conviction of truth, her conviction of standing strong in who you are and what you believe rings true today and is weaved throughout the people she has met, the work she has inspired the work she has implemented and deeply loved and cherished by her family. I'm going to leave this episode here. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope that you have gotten uh, not only a history lesson out of it, but heard the words of a deeply passionate and powerful leader. Na mihi nui tēnā noho oro mai. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Cultures of Change, Healing Our Identity. If you liked this episode and it resonated with you, please share amongst your networks so we can get the message out to more women who need to hear it. Please tag me in any shares on Facebook or Instagram at Cultures of Change and feel free to reach out, message me, or check out our website, www.culturesofchange.com.au. Remember to like and subscribe to our podcast so you know when our next new episode is out. 
Thank you so much for joining me for these conversations. I love having you here and I look forward to seeing you in the next one.